I, I cannot, and I know that that um, my relationship and friendship and history with Johann Berniel is controversial. But I, I also want to say that I love him like a brother. I trust him immensely, and um, I, th- I, 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 and I want to, I want to make this really, really clear. He's the smartest person that's ever been in cycling. Welcome back to the Stages Podcast. JB, we're talking about Liège, Bastogne-Liège. I have to admit, it was a little boring. The, it was maybe a, a boring race, but the conversation wasn't boring. There's a lot there's of a things. Lot of, there's a lot of history there. There's a lot this of is, history is, there, which is. we're going to dig into. And and then there's, you know, as you end the classic season, mm-hmm. I, can, I could just tell from sitting with you mm-hmm. this morning watching the race that this is where you start to go, all right, what's going to happen right. in June, in right. July? You were getting kind of amped up about that. So this is, yeah, I mean, this is, for a lot of those guys, this is the springboard to um, the Tour of Italy or the Tour de France. And you saw Tom Dumoulin, who uh, won the Tour of Italy last year, was was up near the front. Um, and guys like Nibali and, and, you know, Bardet, you see these guys start to assert themselves and say, okay, this is this is where I am. Um, we talked about it last week. Like this is a is a really uh, important checkpoint and test for how the summer goes. And if you're, you can either be really confident in where you are, or you can be really nervous about where you are. But um, it's a beautiful race. I'm, and one thing that I think that made it, uh, a, a quote unquote, easier. Right. Keep in mind, this is still 160 miles, and probably I, we should check somebody's Strava file to see the total vert but call it 12,000 feet of vertical. When it's sunny and warm, it is twice as easy. All right, before you start talking about weather, I'm going to stop you. Okay. Because, by the way, it's a really nice day in Austin. <laughs> it was a gorgeous day. Beautiful day. This and is we like Chamber Mo- of Commerce weather. And we were at MotoGP. We, we went down to the MotoGP. <laughs> I, I tell you, you know, for a guy like me with ADD as bad as I have, these 45-minute sports events, the best. Yeah. I know. A very Euro day in Austin. We watched Liège and you went to MotoGP, yeah. right? Who'd have thought? There's like two people from Austin there. <laughs> but, but when you a moved to, when you moved to Austin yeah. in the, what, early 90s, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Who'd have no, thought you'd you, be watching Liège at home and, and going to a MotoGP? That's right. And and ironically, I mean, Austin is actually a great place to train for a race like Liège. I mean, this, yeah. this is what we have, our topography All right, I'm going to stop you again. Okay, sorry. No one... Everyone tuning into this wants to hear something about what's been going on in the last week. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to let you slip past that. Because okay. if we wait till the end, they're going to be pissed. It's significant. It is significant. It's, it, it's significant for you and me, and more, more importantly for you. Because <laughs> it, it your, your month of May just got a whole lot freer. <laughs> right. And, of course, I'm referencing, if you haven't been checking the news, the, the settlement... That big thing hanging over your shoulders, mm-hmm. getting a lot of press. The the government suit has settled, which we'll get to in a second. Is going to completely change what we're doing in May. We're yep. completely immobilizing on what we're going to do in May, where we thought you were going to be in D.C. Literally, you had an apartment rented, did you not? For I all did. all of May and by, in by D.C. The, can I just say because my the the dude who we got the apartment through on Airbnb he. he 
I didn't realize it was like a 60 day, uh, you know, that's the cancellation period. So we, we can't get our money. There's back. an so, empty apartment. So for any <laughs> listener out there and the guy's been cool, he's like, I'll try to rent it. But if for all the listeners, like if you want to go to DC in the month of May, I got an apartment. <laughs> we can't get our money back. How's that shit? Yeah. Like, all right. Listeners of the stages, free place in DC. Okay. And I know, I know you're not going to go deep into it. We're here to talk about mm-hmm. Liege today. We're not going to go deep into it. I haven't said it. anything about this. I know. You're I right. Know. And, and I've there's, been very disciplined. There's a, time, there's a time and a place to talk about the settlement and go deeper on that. Yep. But the way it affects fans of stages, it, yep. it means we're going to be doing a lot more in the next three weeks. Yep. And, and look, I, th- I think it's, I will say that I think it's, it's a it's a good resolution um, for me. Um, it was interesting to watch the press roll out and cover it and talk about um, the numbers, the dynamics, who won, who lost. It, it, none of that matters. Like for me, the most important thing for me is that I got my month of May back, so I don't have to be in Washington D.C. Monday through Thursday every week, missing you know Olivia's dance recital, missing Max's practice, mix, missing you know. Um, flying in in a hurry to go to Luke's graduation. Like, it, 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 so for me, it's like, you've got your first got born life, going off got, to college, right? I got now. my life back. Yeah. And this, this ends the, the, you know, the most, most, most important thing is that this ends all litigation, hopefully for the rest of my life. And so I've dealt with litigation for 10 years and, and certainly a lot in the last five. Um, and this is it. I mean, this really puts, um, you know, it's kind of bookends that part of it. And it was weird to, cause I knew, I knew this was in the works. I knew where we were. Um, I couldn't say it, but it, so it's it's funny. People are like, how does it feel? How, you know, what is, it must feel great. You know, you're done. Get on with your life. Like I, I, I knew this. Is, so this is just sort of a philosophical thing. Like I knew in my own head and heart that the, that we were done two weeks ago. Um, but when it hit the press and it it the world knew and it let the air out of that balloon, like it was a different feeling. Like even so I don't even know what that means, but it it felt different to me. So it was it was super emotional. It was a great day. Luke and I, um, it, it we were taken off actually flying to Houston for uh, to watch Rice do one of the spring practices where he's going to go play. And the plane was going down the runway. My phone just starts. I mean, things just bouncing. I'm like, people just started hitting me up when it hit the wire, um, and it felt it just felt different. It was such a such an amazing day. And I noticed on Twitter where you're more active and so on Instagram, you just, you just put the forward arrow. That's right. That's it. And it's like, and I couldn't help but think it's like, is you, you know, that concept of forward when you got together mm-hmm. with, with James Selma and you guys hashed out this idea yep. of the crooked arrow, it's like yep. life, you know, you got to move forward. It's never straight, but it had to really resonate at that moment when you just posted that image Mm -hmm. did it not like totally yeah totally i mean i was i was texting somebody they were like you know how's it feel i was like look um i've ended this period you know this really really difficult period in my life Uh, i'm with my son flying to rice to go to spring practice where he's going to play football and um i wouldn't trade places with anybody on on planet earth and so that's a pretty serious thing to say but i mean it um, but in terms of, I will say that the, it's funny that the arrow, um, which is of course the logo for the forward, but it really, as I posted that, I realized that life just isn't 
you know, there's all life's messy, right? So there's always these, um, twists and turns and, and how we adjust and adapt to those is, is what makes us who we are. But, um, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty wild week. Having said that, Forward Never Straight, which is which I borrowed or slash stole from Dave Letiri, um, my buddy who owns Fast Track Bicycles in Santa Barbara. We now get to go cover the Tour of California, and so we're going to do a. I mean, we'll we'll be there daily talking about the Tour of California. We'll focus heavily on the women's Tour of California, the three day uh, event. Um, but before we get to the women's event, we'll be, we'll do a live show at fat fast cap, uh, fast track bikes, uh, in Santa Barbara. And that was, that was his old expression. Like you got to an intersection, you didn't go left or right or straight. You went forward. I didn't know that came from Dave Letiri. That was, I stole, I straight up stole <laughs> that from Dave Letiri. Here comes the new lawsuit. No, we're good. <laughs> we're good. People, there's, it, it, there's not, there's don't sue me. Cause there's just all, not a whole lot of money left. And then you know, also, the shit's, there's yet to be shared with everybody, but it also frees up some time to talk about the Giro. The Giro. People, people have been asking. Somebody, some guy came up to me last night. That really shows about how, how messed up last night was. <laughs> I was in, in a whole other space. He was like, are you going to cover the Giro? Yeah. And I was like, we're going to Israel to cover the Giro. Make sure everybody heard that correctly, because last summer... People are like, what are you doing next? You come yeah. to the Giro, you come into the Vuelta, and yeah. you're like, no, no, no. Not. No. No, Not. you were adamant. No. We, yeah, we, we, well, we, and we talked about this at the season preview. We were talking about a weekly show, but, but, but the chance uh, to, to go to a place like Israel um, to cover an event, an iconic event like the Tour of Italy is, is insane. And, and, you know, we know these events go, you know, the Tour of France will start in Germany, it'll start in Holland, it'll start in Belgium, it'll start in all these different places. But, to go that far from mainland Europe is is pretty awesome. A pretty unique opportunity. So um, we're going to take the show. We have three days: the prologue in Jerusalem, uh, stage two into Tel Aviv, and then stage three, stage three down south. Pretty great opportunity. Yeah, a lot's changed. Our completely, our May. No, I know. Changed. I was like, "What am I going to do? Like, what the <laughs> fuck am I going to do? Like, I can Jesus." Now let's talk. Now let's talk Liège and. You know, watching it with you. This Did I mention it was boring? <laughs> it, it was, well, you know, it was uneventful. It wasn't sloppy, wet, and snowing. Mm -hmm. And that's what people think of. I mean, it's not uncommon for that event to have snow, mm. to be no, freezing sure. temperatures. Look, and it was, in, in, in the, you know, you, you saw people in shorts and T-shirts, the yep. fans. Yep. You know, it was different. The, the race has changed. When I, when I, I'll never forget, in 1994, um, I was, I was the world champion, wore the rainbow jersey, got away with Tony Rominger, Evgeny Berzin, uh, Marino Argentine, and maybe Kipucci. Anyways, we went away with 100 kilometers to go, 62 miles to go. There were four or five guys left, race over, done. Now you get, you know, they go over, they go over La Redoute like it's a field sprint. Like I don't... I don't under, I think it really speaks to, I don't want, cause I don't want to question why I just, but I think it speaks to the overall fitness and dedication of this field. Like in, in those days, this is would have been, you know, 24 years ago, a long time ago. Um, people just, you know, they started that race cause it's so hard. They were like, I'm just going to make it halfway mm -hmm. and get out of here. Um, now it's important to now them. it's important. And the teams take it so seriously. And, um, 
they just stay together. It's it's weird. And um, obviously the weather helps. The weather definitely helps. But they go over La Redoute all together. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. We only saw a couple of spills, nothing major. I don't think anyone got, you know, some of the stuff we see in the early mm-hmm. classics. Nope. But uh, you had briefly just mentioned, you know, the team stepping up. And Quick Step has proven to be a force to reckon with yeah. this season. Well, they are. For, their season's over. Season's over. That was their goal. Get That's it. The classics, spring classic. They, they are a spring classics team. Um, Mission accomplished. They, they will be look, and I'm not bagging it, right? So the, the, they they uh, that's all they care about. Their um, that's their number one goal, and come Tour of Italy, Tour de France, they're pack fill. They really are. They might hope for a stage win, but and pack fill is a really derogatory thing to say about somebody. Mm-hmm. But if you've had the look, um, gosh, well today I guess was win number 27 they've had 26 wins until today so today is 27 i mean gosh at that point you just who gives a shit you can do whatever you want the rest of the season right you know put your feet up everybody hit their goals the sponsors are happy (laughs) if their sponsor's not happy they need to fire the sponsor (laughs) does that ever happen (laughs) you know what i'm sick of you you pointed out something to me this morning that the, which seems opposite of what you think. The winner of Flesh Wallone is often the favorite for Liège. Of course, when it's the same week, you would think if you win Flesh Wallone, you're 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 toast. But yeah, they've changed that a bit. Right. So those midweek classics, they've taken them down, and I think we touched on this a week or two ago. They they took them down um, to t- just. You know, maxed them out at 200 kilometers in the old days. Get Wevelgum, Flesh Wallone. Those were they were the same length as the monuments, and you know, obviously harder to uh, go back to back. But also, when you try to stack up everything from Milan San Remo all the way to Liège, really, really hard to do. Um, but when it's, I mean, it, it sounds a little funny to say it's only 200 kilometers know, right? and finishes on the Mur de Wee. Um, by the way. Did I ever tell you I won that race? Did, did we did we talk about this shit before? Look, no, we look, look at that. Huh? 19, we talked about it last week, but I'm just saying again, you know. And you know what? Nobody came to pick this bad boy up. Nobody took it away. And it's good for margaritas now. I wouldn't put a margarita in there. Uh, you gotta give a shout out to uh Johan. Yes. Because as you pointed out, he called this yeah. a long time ago. And I, I have I really want to understand talent development, scouting. Obviously Johan Bernil has an eye for it, right? But share everybody what he called some time ago. Listen, I I cannot and I know that that um, my relationship and friendship and history with Johan Bernil is controversial. But I, I also want to say that I love him like a brother. I trust him immensely and um i i i I, and i want to i want to make this really really clear he's the smartest person that's ever been in cycling that's even when you guys were in you know the midst of the heyday no you never questioned him never never no it was it was the ultimate you never were like yeah i don't think so well here's how it went it was the ultimate partnership we were partners I was the athlete. He was the director. It was a dialogue. It was never a monologue either way. But at the end of the day, he had the final say. So if, if, if there was ever an issue where 
we couldn't decide. I deferred to him and said, you call it. And that, that could be on the road, you know, within a span of 30 seconds. That could be over the course of a season, over the span of nine months. It, it, but he's, he's the brightest mind that ever, um, you know, that ever came into cycling. And I, I don't care if it's Surreal Guimard, Paul Coakley, um, Dave Brailsford. Johan Bernil is the smartest person who ever, uh, you know, managed this sport. And he, by the way, too, was a great racer, too. He's, he was smart as a racer. He was physically, you won't like this, but he, in my opinion, he was physically average but he was smart on the bike, so he always found his way. But in terms of spotting talent, um, he, he was, uh, again, he was the best, whether it's Tom Boonen, Michael Kwiatkowski, and then today's winner, Bob Jungles from Luxembourg. Who, who by the way, who finds a guy named Bob Jungles from Luxembourg? So I... Bob, just Bob. Bob. <laughs> yeah, I think that's his name. I mean... It's gotta be a nickname. No, right. You would think that's, I guess we could look it up, but that's his name. His name's Bob. I was like, I'm from Texas and my name's Pierre. No, that shit don't happen. All right. So check this out. So this is how long ago. This is, this and, I just, and, I, and, I, and again, because I, I just said something very passionate and, um, and I hope you guys understand. But so this is Johan's, and I asked him about this. I said, um, I, during the race, when it was evident he was going to win, I said, I said, D you spotted Jungle's. Is it Jungles or Jungles, however you say the last name? You spotted him really early. And he said, I'll go back and find the tweet. This happened during the race this, this morning? Yeah, this morning. So here is a tweet from March 14th, 2013. So more than five years ago. <coughs> he says, congrats to Bob Jungles of at RSL, Radio Shack, Lipstrom, um, for his win in the GP Nobili in Italy. Big talent, even bigger professional Remember that name, folks. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's cosmic. Really, really, really special mind. But, I mean, we won't dwell on it too long because maybe at some point we'll talk to Johan about this specifically. But, like, what does he see in someone that far out? I mean, an engine determination, a mindset, I think you, all I think, of the above. I think, I think you'll have to ask him, but I was—I suspect he sees. Um, it sounds weird, but he sees the body first. He sees the person, sees the body, sees the specimen, and then you have to see um, how they are in the race, um, tactically, strategically, uh, the mind, um, and then probably meets with them or has you know talks to them and understands that they're uh, not a total um, lunatic. And then, but yeah, I mean, it, it's very, it's not, it's not that complicated, I guess, but, um, but the nose for selecting those people is really, really special. <coughs> Excuse me one sec. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> All right. And I mean, the way he won, like, we have to talk okay, about the, the move, way, the move, the move that was like the most it was, subtle it, move. There of was all actually time. no move. <laughs> there was no move. I know it was most races are decided are by a, a move, an indecisive attack. I mean, it usually is an indecisive attack. And by you the were, way, I like that name, the, like the move, like the, the, we, we should start a segment like <laughs> there's the move. But you were sort of perplexed by it. You were like, I want to go back, rewind. Let's watch that again That's because right. it was not an attack up a climb. Right. It was not a, a decisive attack on a flat. It was literally like he just 
crept away right on so, a downhill yeah but there there was and i forget the name of the climb but there was i mean clearly it was a, a, a the field knew that it was going to be a significant moment you had bahrain meridia um setting a really hard tempo just before the climb they had four guys at the front probably you know trying to set up nibbly it's a 1.3 kilometer climb at 11 percent on average so that means parts of it might be 15 percent um and they, they all went up it together like they do every climb in Liège now. And he went over the jungles, went over the top uh, at the front. And this guy, Michael Woods, who's a whole nother interesting story, was on his wheel. And I don't think Jungles was trying to bomb the downhill or do mm -hmm. anything crazy. It wasn't a decisive at, attack. It at just the end happened. of the downhill, he has five seconds and the race is over. I'm like, wait. That's it. But that was it. That, that was, was the, it. The, the fucking race was over then. But doesn't that happen again and again and again when, you know, everybody crests, whether how long the climb was or how steep or how short, you sort of crest and you assume it's all going to come together. Mm. Is that, am, am, I, well, you, am I going too far? No, yeah. They, they did assume that. They all but, assumed and they just sort of but, let it happen yeah. without watching it happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it, look. Again, quick step, the team of the year so far, 20, 27 wins today, had probably five guys there. So when you have those numbers, you get to control a race and nobody's going to, you know, pull a, um, you know, a, a, a Philippe Jobert or, or a, you know, all these other guys to the finish line. And so that naturally neutralizes the race, right? So they, they, um, everybody looks to the other teams to take responsibility and it just doesn't happen. Um, but the crazy thing is like this guy got gapped off Michael Woods, who's from all accounts is like this huge, um, aerobic engine, right? I mean, we, we looked it up before we started. This kid is a Canadian. Is that the best Canadian ever in Liège, best on Liège? Probably. He ran a 357 mile. He ran a 1414 5K. So obviously he's a hugely wow. talented uh, aerobic engine, but he can't go downhill. Oops. And the race was over. Like it was like the move was like, I mean, I'm sure Jungles got to the bottom of that down. was like, wait, where's everybody? Like I'm alone. Holy shit. Yeah. It's like a Christmas miracle. It was unbelievable. And the, do you think everybody in that whole group that was all together at the crest of the hill was just i mean how did they all just sit there and let that happen they just assumed it was all coming back once together. he once he once he got the gap again he had the 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 advantage of having all of these teammates so it what, what happens is is then if other guys try to go across then quick step with four or five guys there sit on it. they sit on they 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 follow the wheels mm -hmm. they stay on the wheel i mean what are you gonna do you're gonna pull up all these other guys that, that could easily win the race, you, you can't do that. And that's, look, uh, cycling's a team game. It's not an individual sport. You know, Bob Jungles came across the finish line today and his name was at the top of the list and he was alone. It's not a, it's not I an individual. I think he just had to be going, holy shit, that was the most bizarre breakaway in the history of his career. Uh, uh, and a great I, one. I guess. He still had to, he still had to hold it off. I know he I had mean, to work. He, he had to he had to hold it off. And, he had and, to work. And it's not an easy finish. There's you know it's an uphill finish, and it's you know if 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 he wasn't the rider that he is, then he wouldn't have made it. 
I'm only going to dwell on this for a second because I know you'll get all worked up and then we'll move oh, on. This but you get, you, get, <laughs> you get so worked up the way they descend sitting on... Oh, no, don't start. This shit sitting on the top tube, <laughs> like, like wedging nuts. their ass between the seat and the top tube. Okay, okay. just just so you know, I'm not even going to start on this. It drives I mean, you bonkers. Th- no, I can, we, this is going to be banned. This has to be banned from the sport. Because some some fool is going to go teeth first into a guardrail because mm-hmm. that bull... I mean, is it really... I want to put it in the wind... First of all, I want to put it in the wind tunnel. Is How do you that, put something in the wind tunnel when it's... Not pedaling. Am I being stupid? Matter. Doesn't no, matter. You just the set pedaling it up. part. The pedaling part doesn't matter. You just want to see the arrow of it. Yes. You just if it was stationary it and you put it in the wind tunnel. What if what if your jersey gets caught on the seat? No, uh, it drives me crazy. I talked about it last summer. Uh, I tried to t- talk to you. I said, let's go out. Let's find a descent and and I would never. Let I'm, you just, test I'm just. It. He's I'm like, just, I won't do I'm it. I'm just telling you, I would never ever ever do that. <laughs> when I was, it's funny, and I almost said this when we were watching the race this morning. Like when I was a kid. Like we, and I was on Subaru Montgomery and, and we would go out on these rides. I would do stupid shit. Like I would, we'd be going 50 downhill and you know, you could tuck and I would take my hands, put them behind me. Like, and I know, wait a minute. I that know, sounds that, worse than the, the dumbest thing. I mean, a little, little bump over dead. <laughs> and finally the, the, man, this mechanic, Craig, he came up. He's like, don't ever do that again. Wait a minute. You're taking your hands off the bars and we're Straight holding back. them back. back. That's dumber than the top two. It's the thing. dumbest thing ever. But I was, I was, I was 18. <laughs> Young, dumb, and never mind. <laughs> All right. Now <laughs> But this is equivalent. <laughs> Maybe it will go away, like the your Superman pose there. Um you were starting to, and I guess that's natural as the classics wind down. Mm-hmm. Who might be a tour favorite? Boy. Um, well, I, I think before we get there, so now we go to tour Romandy in Switzerland, and then that goes straight into tour of Italy, um, which we'll, obviously we'll be at, um, Tom, yeah. Tom Dumoulin showed himself today. So I think he's, um, I, I think he's going to be a force to reckon with. It's interesting to me that he doesn't, he's not doing the tour. I get, I get it that it's probably not an ideal route for him, but he showed himself today. So if this is his last checkpoint, right before maybe, I mean, maybe he does Romandy. If this is his checkpoint, where he's like, "Where am I?" He, he, I think he can check the box and say, "I'm, I'm on my way for, um, you know, try to defend the the pink jersey." Um, but then these guys, Nibali, Bardet, if 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 this is their checkpoint for the tour, boy, they are, they're right there. I th- I think it's funny because when we were watching the race, I said, I think I told you because. My, my, my speculation, and I don't, I'm not trying to make a judgment on this. I'm not trying to uh, make a ruling. I don't think Chris Froome is at the Tour de France. I think for whatever reason, legally, he's not there, which I, again, I'm not trying to, actually, I am to make a judgment. I think that's bullshit, but this thing should have been resolved a long time ago, but I think, I just don't think he's there. Um, and so Bardet's licking his chops, but I don't think Bardet gets through the first week. I don't think he can get through, you know, the the sections of cobbles which we talked about two weeks ago with George from Roubaix. Um, and I, I think I think uh, Vincenzo Nibali is is he's the man. I'm calling it right now. He's going to win the Tour de France. Really? Yeah. Okay. A team from Bahrain has never won the Tour. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. That's that's not hard to know. <laughs> Can you right. imagine? 
And one last thing, I know you... They probably own like half of the Shams <laughs> They're like, fuck it, we're just going to win the race too. Yeah. We own your ass. We're going to win. No. I know I know you wanted to give a shout out uh, to someone in particular. Um, yeah, so and the, 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 the world racing. of cycling um, lost a really, really uh, special guy, arguably one of the most generous people that's ever touched our sport, Andy Reese. Uh, who uh, has been involved, gosh, he's been in cycling for more than 15 years. Um, started a company called Phonek, which um, was a great team back in the day, and then started a bike company, BMC. He, this guy, it, it, I had the uh, uh, the great fortune of having hung out with Andy Reese. I mean, Andy Reese was a, boy, if we're sitting here right now, I mean, we got I got a little rosé going, you know, um, but Andy's got, you know, the biggest ball up, Bordeaux. He's got the cigars. He's got the laugh. He's got the life. He's got the energy, and he's just got this 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 incredible vibe. So, um, he he died uh, four or five days ago. Uh, an amazing man, and uh, you know, it's, it's somebody that, gosh, I mean, if you think about it, he's probably invested two hundred million dollars in cycling, in professional cycling. That's a huge number, um, and and I I worry that. That, that vacuum that his loss will create is something that we may not be able to replace. And, uh, but again, I, I, I go to bed tonight knowing that shit, um, I stayed at his house in Provence, had a bunch of great big red wine and laughed and loved and, and, and high fived. And he, he was just an amazing dude. And, and, uh, we lost him too young. He's sick for a long time. He hung in there as long as he could. Uh, but we'll miss him and cycling will miss him. And that team, I think, you know, if you want to talk technically speaking, um, that team is going to really miss him because I don't think it's, uh, I think his love of the sport and his love of that team is not shared with when it comes to the company of BMC or perhaps the family or the kids. or And so that'll be a real, uh, a real void in the sport of cycling. Mm-hmm.